0: Uh, It's wonderful to be together, and uh, Chantel kicked off a a, a very short series, Up, In, Out, Uh, just three easy words that we often use to help describe who we are and what we think is important. The greatest commandments uh, Jesus said when he was asked the question was, love God and love each other, and that was basically it. And so last week was Up, and as we come before him and won the love and praise, as we worship, as we take time singing the songs, as we delve deeper into his scriptures we fall in love with Jesus and as we do that he changes us from the inside out and we become the very people that he intended us to be and that's the up and this morning what I want to talk about is in it's this okay and uh, that's simply being together being together and then the next two or three weeks we're going to talk about out about going giving and sharing our love uh, our love for Jesus our love for one another our love for a broken, hurting community uh, where we live. But this week is in. And uh, I wonder, uh, show of hands, how many of you folks are watching uh, the best TV program at the minute, The Island with Bear Grills? Anyone watching that? Okay, just a number. Uh, hands down. It is the best program, in my opinion, right now. Um, if you think, oh... Bit dodgy, language, bit choice, fair play. Um, If you're not sure what it's about, Wednesday nights, the lads, Thursday nights, the ladies. And it's basically uh, a bunch of folks taken to an island in the Pacific somewhere and they basically are there together, dropped off, and all they have to do is survive. And it really, in my opinion, is absolutely fantastic TV. And uh, what I love about it, and the reason I'm sharing this with you, is the simplicity of life. It really focuses on the very basic needs of mankind. The need for water, the need for shelter, the need for food and then the last one is the need for each other. They are thrown in there together, not knowing each other from all walks of life. Different professions, different ages, different backgrounds, different personalities, different strengths, different weaknesses, different, they're just different. And they're thrown in together, there together to survive. Sounds like the church. Except we're called, uh, instead of to survive, we're called to thrive. That's a bit cheesy, isn't it? Do you know, know, I had survival in my notes, and then I thought, but there isn't a word called threvival. so I thought survive kind of works a little bit better there. And so this morning, what I want to focus our time on uh, is a passage, you might have heard me speak on this or something similar to this before, but it's a brilliant, brilliant story that we find uh, in Luke 5, and uh, it's not called this, but we're calling this The Fellowship of the Mat, and uh, it's a well-known story. And uh, we're hopefully going to read this through together. If not, I'll read it. Here we go. We're in Luke 5, 17. One day, Jesus was teaching. And Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. That's slightly incidental. There were lots of other folks there too. That was important later in the story. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. The power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal those who were ill. Some men came, carrying a paralyzed man on a mat, tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and they lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. With this man, a paralyzed man who spent his life, he lives his life on a three foot by six foot mat. That's his existence. We don't know why, don't know what it was that's caused this, but that's his existence. He has very little to contribute to society, he probably would love to be free, would love to contribute to life, he would love to be on his feet, able to walk, able to run, able to go get a job and, and earn some money, provide for himself instead of lying his existence on this mat, looking for money, begging for money from other people. He doesn't have much going for him. But the one thing that he does have is he has friends. And without those friends, he would not have been able to come before Jesus. And without those friends, they would not have taken him to the very person that he needed to meet. And there are some of you sitting in this room here this morning that you've been brought to the person of Jesus because someone took you by the hand and brought you here. And they're just in that moment just thinking, if we can just get our friend to Jesus, maybe, just maybe, he could be able to do something. All this happened because he made wise decisions he made good decisions and that was to make friends this morning we want to look at choosing community making community a priority within our lives for some of us it comes easy we're just wired that way we like being around people for some of us we've more time than others for some of us we've the personality that kind of just likes to go and spend time with each other and I get that I get that for other people it is more difficult but at the end of the day it's an individual's responsibility to buy into community. This paralyzed man knew that he needed others to be around him, he needed people uh, to help him and we live in a more civilized society but in those days uh, the Greeks in that ancient world in those days would have uh, killed Uh, or disposed of newborn infants with physical abnormalities. In Rome, uh, during the 5th century, books were written that stated that if a child would be killed quickly, if they were deformed in any way. And here in Israel, it it was deemed to be that if you had any abnormality, it was usually caused because of something that was wrong about the person, something that the person had done wrong themselves. And so despite this stigma, Despite all these things going for him, he chose to make life and do life with other people. The point is this, we rarely drift into community. We rarely find ourselves in with a group of folks. It's something that we choose to do and something that we must do and make uh, a priority. What do you think is the, uh, the blueprint for uh, Christian church and Small groups and doing life. We've, we've used it before. What What's the passage? This is a question. Go for it. Acts 2. End of Acts 2. Isn't that the passage? We spoke on it just a few number of weeks ago. About how all the believers met together in their houses daily. And they, they shared those who were in need. and uh, They broke bread and they did communion together. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Isn't that pretty much about it? That's, that's what we use. And it's brilliant. And there's so many values and there's so many things in that passage that we use and that we model and we can teach on and think that's how we do life. That's how we should share lives with each other. And it's good. But what we're doing there is we're imposing a first century uh, teaching on and understanding of community into a 21st century. And whilst the values are still the same, it is not possible to meet daily in our homes and do all that stuff. Sure, it's not. No. Why? Because we've got work. We have to get up tomorrow morning, and go to work. Why else? What are the things? What are the things that fill our lives? Just throw them out there. Go for it. Family. What else? Hobbies. What else? Okay. Yes. So geographically, we we we're more spread out. What what else kind of keeps us from being a do? what they did in, in those years. Very good point, individuality. You're looking around going, I don't want to spend any time with him. That's Stephen Hillis, by the way. You want to avoid him at coffee? He has no intention of spending any time with you, okay? There's a large degree of truth in what you say. It's like, I, I want to be with myself here, or I just want to, you know, there's an element of truth. One of two things. Come on, what else? TV. TV. Thank you. We got there in the end. <laughs> My goodness. You know, here's, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Really quickly. So there are, there's so many pressures on in our modern day society. We're busy, we're busy, we're busy. And we, we, we have all these things like, I was chatting to someone the other day and they said, I've been meaning to catch up with such and such. It's almost like they have to make an appointment six weeks in advance to meet that person. You just think, oh my goodness, what's happened to our lives? What happened to the time when we just went round to someone's house, knocked on the door, said, are you free? Like, oh, come in, cup of tea. All that sort of stuff. Life has changed. Life has moved on. But some of the things that we do fill it, TV being one of them, tablets being another one, all the multimedia stuff being you count up the hours, you shed some of that stuff, you cut that in half, you've got loads of time for coffee. You've got loads of time to make it to group. You've got loads of time to go in and and doing hobbies with other people where you have community in life. It's absolutely possible. But where are we? Here we are, everyone has a mat. His mat, the paralyzed man's mat, was plain to see. It was a physical thing. But the physical thing represented actually what was wrong with him. It was plain to see. And he couldn't hide his mat. Everyone could see it. And yet everyone has a mat. The mat represents this. What is broken about us. What is not right about us. Our stuff. And for some people it is plain to see. But for others what we do is we become professional hiders of our mats and we do everything in our power to just seem to be we're dead on we're fine. One of the things if you're coming to our church what we talk about often is come as you are. That's what we mean come and 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 be seen. Be seen. We're gonna talk about that uh, right now that the mat represents our stuff and in community we choose to be seen to show other people our weaknesses, our brokenness, our imperfection. And as we do that, we come together before Jesus to allow him to do what he does for this man in the story, and that is to bring healing. This man has developed cultivated friendships with the roof crashers, the men who one day embark on this journey. It's, it's the life group of dreams, it's the small group. They're saying, we're going to go. And they pick him up, literally. They carry his mat, and they take him to the one person that they think can do what needs to happen. And they take him. The room is full. It's full of people. There's no way in. And they come up with this brainwave. Let's see if we can open a hole in the roof and lower him in through the roof. Now, when we read that, we think, oh, that's twee. That's quite nice. Like, just imagine right now. Like, look up at those grotty... Ceilings, ceiling, ceiling, ceiling tiles. And just think, mate, someone's about to be lowered through there. Oh, that's balmy. It's absolutely bonkers. And the, the lengths that these men went to for their friend. Great community is made by roof crashers who are willing to do what it takes. And so much of what goes on in our church is done and pioneered and brought together to individuals who despite how they're feeling themselves despite whether they've had a busy day or what's going on in their lives tidy their homes and invite people around and if sometimes you come to our home we don't even get a chance to tidy our home but you come as we are and you get to experience and you get to come and you get to have uh, do life and community with each other These roof crashers did what it took for their friend to meet with Jesus. And here's the thing. There's an irony of the mat. Our mats are usually the things that we're least proud of. They're the things that we choose to hide because there's shame attached. Because there's guilt attached to those things. And yet the irony is this. The thing that it is, the mat that it is, is usually uh, the, the connecting point, the place that actually most connects with someone else. An alcoholic. An alcoholic makes itself known to another person, who maybe is wrestling with that same thing, or maybe has had a parent or a loved one who has wrestled with that same problem, with that same addiction, has seen the devastating effects it has not only on their life, but on the lives of others. That's the connecting point. When people share their stories to me about that particular issue, I've got something to share with them. I know, I know, I understand the pain, I understand what's going on, and I'm able to connect with that person, and that person who's sitting telling me their stuff feels like this person understands, he knows. That's the connecting point. I love it in our church. I love it in the body of Christ where individuals somehow, and it's not usually somehow, is it? It's usually a God moment when you meet someone else who's wrestling with the same struggles, with the same issues, and there's that connecting point. That's the irony of the map. The thing that we want to hide, the thing that we bury deep down, is the thing that actually connects most with others. I'm just going to say it. Pornography. Pornography is one of the, one of the biggest struggles of, uh, of our modern day time. It happens, it happens, it happens. Happening right in this room here with individuals who are struggling with that particular issue. It is one of the most deepest shameful things and yet you speak it out there, you get it out there, you share it, you find someone, that's the connection point. That's the time, that's the opportunity, that's the place, that's the opportunity where individuals get together. Say, okay, let's go to the man who can help us. Let's go to the Jesus who knows how to deal with that one. It's just one. Alcoholism, another one. They're big ones. There's other things. There's other things going on right across the room, right in our hearts, right in our lives. And as we choose to be seen, as we choose to make ourselves vulnerable with each other, as we choose to journey our lives With other individuals, we go together. There are no lone rangers in the kingdom of God. God made us that we might not be alone. That we might do life with one another. Community requires trust. You're going to bear your soul. You're going to tell your stuff. It requires trust. Imagine the man who's about to be lowered. He's been lifted up onto the roof, and the lad's there, they're taking the, the, the tiles away, and they're going, "Oh, you're not taking me down there. That requires trust, doesn't it? He's beginning to think, oh my goodness, what if Jesus doesn't want to know? What if Jesus is going to be mad that I'm going to spoil a great sermon illustration that he's just about to teach on? What about if the people, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, what if they start, you know, having a go at me and thinking, oh my goodness. He can hardly get up and run out of the room, can he? He's there, he's stuck right in the middle of it. And yet, he lies there considering all of these risks, decides to roll the dice and go for it. Community requires trust. But also this authentic community always leads to spiritual growth. Community, authentic when it's real, always involves an opportunity for spiritual growth. Consider the roof crashes. Consider the friends. They also took a risk, didn't they? They took a risk to take him to the roof, to take some blokes or lady or whoever, some homes' roof tiles off. They took a risk to do those things. They interrupted the meeting. And Jesus, as he's watching, he's looking, he's gazing, and they see this man coming down sees him before him but he also does this he looks up and he peers, and he sees this hole in the roof and he sees their faces looking down going oh my goodness what have we done and his words later in the passage he looks up and he saw he saw their faith he saw their faith and very often When healing comes, it's to do with faith. It's to do with belief. It's to do with, we can't do this, but we know a man who can. And Jesus sees their faith. And how do we spell faith in our church? R-I-S-K. That's how we spell it. Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Risk. And these guys took a risk. They took a risk. And so... True community, as we gather together, as we trust one another, requires risk. It requires, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm going out there on a limb. I know, like Stephen Hillis, I don't want to have to spend time. I know, I, oh, I don't want to have to. I know that. It requires risk and it requires an element of trust also. I've invited um, a couple of people, uh, like we did last week. That was so brilliant last week. And we thought we'd do the same this week. So Terry, you're up. Um, I don't know what these folks are going to say, which is, which is a risk. <laughs> um, I've just invited two folks to share uh, from their perspective, just to talk briefly uh, about community. So Terry, do you, did you want this? Yeah. You do? Okay, no bother. Thank
1: you, This is my technology. Good man. Uh, first of all, thank you, Paul. Uh, it's lovely to look right and see so many people that I know. It's equally lovely to see so many people I don't know. So maybe before I get to the point that I ma- want to make, as I say, maybe if I put a wee bit of p- fill in the background a wee bit. Uh, I am obviously one of the oldest members of the church here. (laughs) The other side of the coin is I only became a Christian a few years ago, so I'm one of the youngest people here. For 60 years I sat on the fence, and there may be a few people here who simply are sitting on the fence. And I get that because the fence is a comfortable place to sit. But it reminds me a bit of these seats. If I come and sit in one of these seats, it's comfortable. In 15 minutes time, it will still be comfortable. In half an hour's time, I'll be starting to fidget about. And in an hour's time, I couldn't describe it as being comfortable. My hour, so to speak, came about three years ago at uh, our church weekend when I made the decision to get off the fence. I'll not go into the detail of what happened, but it suffices to say it was Carrickfergus Vineyard Church that provided me with the passageway to get to that point. It was Carrickfergus Vineyard Church that gave me the love and the support that made that decision easy, so what had changed? I come here on a Sunday morning. First of all, I get the amazing worship that Phil and Hannah provide for us. I get challenged from the front with my life. And then I get to enter the wonder-filled prayer that we have at the end. But there's something else that goes on. Inadvertently, I become a member of a community. I come from a generation, and probably my DNA, which doesn't do opening up very well. It doesn't do asking for help very well. But I'd find myself in a community with people who were gracious enough to open up their lives to me, tell me about their story, be genuinely concerned about my life. And this just blew me away. And everybody has a story. Everybody is dealing with stuff. And from that, I get strength. So when I leave here on a Sunday, not only have I been refreshed by what goes on here, but I have gathered strength to be able to deal with the things that life will throw at me through the community I have here in Carrick Ferguson, your church. Well done, well done.
0: Andrew.
2: Oh, I don't know how to follow that. Um, but about three years ago, just around the time that Terry is talking about, actually, um, Andy and I were this close from spending every Sunday morning um, on the Lisburn Road in coffee shops and at the park with the boys. And so uh, it sounds crazy saying it now, but that is the truth. That was our decision. Should we go to church or should we just leave it for a while? My worry was that the leaving it for a while could turn into a long time, um, and I was heavily pregnant at the time and i it sounds a bit, and it's, but in my head I thought I cannot bring a new life into the world and not into church. And like both Andy and I had been in church most of our lives so to me that was like a quite a, a weird concept. Um, Andy was more of the opinion, yes, that's okay. We are, we are our own people, or our own community, and we're better off without other people. And by the way, I do have permission to say that this morning. You don't need to come and have a word with Paul and Chantelle about our marriage or whatever. Um, <coughs> Andy, Andy knows what I'm talking about him, and he would have come himself. Maybe some other time he'll stand here instead of me. But um, so that was, you know, so coming here was a decision, and. It, it was really difficult at first. I came on my own one week with the boys, um, because Andy was at work. Um, and then, you know, I sort of said to him, well, you know, we should come along to church. And he was like, oh, right, okay. So he came along then a few weeks later. Um, and we, our mat, was ch- church broken and hurt. I'm just going to say that. It was quite awful. And I think we had just come to a point where we'd been smiling our way through the last year of church. And then we got to sort of an end point of that. And... um It was just a really difficult time, and so anyway, we came here and we showed up for a few weeks, as you do, Um, and it was great. The first time I came here I was on my own with the boys and nobody knew me, and it was brilliant. Like, I just just sat there, nobody knew me, I didn't have to talk about myself or, you know, it was lovely for me, and of course that can't carry on like that, you know, because not knowing anybody is a lonely place, you know, and it was fine for a week or so. And then we had, I don't know exactly when this was, I can't remember, but we'd been coming along maybe, maybe we maybe been here three or four times, and I was in Tesco's one day. And if you know Andy and I, we love eating, we love food. And Andy had said, right, I'll make feeders. So I was in Tesco's and I was buying onions. And for some reason that day, by the way, we make feeders, we put a red onion in as well, because it's nice. So we had, um, <laughs> but the red onions and the white onions weren't beside each other. And so I'd, I'd moved around and then I saw this guy that I recognised from church, and his name was Steve Fugard. And um, I didn't know that at the time, but I recognised him. I was like, oh, that's that guy that seems to always be running about doing stuff. <laughs> In fact, I went home later and said to Andy, you know, that guy's... You? And Andy said to me, is that the caretaker? <laughs> and uh, because we didn't really know who did what or who was what, so that was okay. So, but anyway, I was... So, uh, anyway, we're talking, and I think... And actually then, you know, Andy and I, we were really such a tight budget. We didn't know if we had enough money at the beginning of the month to last to the end. And, like, I was going for the smaller onions, you know. And I, for some reason, must have had a little chat about this to Steve. And then for the next 20 minutes, Steve completely um, talked about his journey and how... um, like where he had come from and all the places he had been and we we're sort of talking about the times that we just you know we didn't want to be connecting with people you know I'm quite happy doing our own thing and like that was really massive for me I came oh and one thing Steve said to me as well was that there were other people in vineyards that, ha, that had that had terrible times at churches and I went home to Andy and I was like good news <laughs> And after explaining, was that Steve the the caretaker or not, I said, look, you know, Steve has said to me that there's lots of um, people who have had, you know, bad times and they're all at church. So I think that gives Andy and I a bit of reassurance. But I know I've been to Tesco's hundreds of times and I have spent lots of, met loads of Christians that I know or don't know or whatever in Tesco's. But not ever has one Christian stood in Tesco's and shared their testimony with me like that, you know. And like, that really blew me away a bit because you know Steve I knew Steve was a Christian he knew I was a Christian but we still didn't overlook that part of it you know and so there was one thing about community that happened in Tesco's you know he spent I mean we could have just sort of said hi to each other and just you know that was probably my idea get round but unfortunately the red onions had gone around the other side but there you go so that was one of the first things and then we've been here for a while and they were talking about different home groups or whatever and I just um you know um, there's going to be a home group in Jean and Andrew's house and we were asked if we want to go and we were like, yeah, yeah. And I was like, Dandy, oh no, I don't really want that. You know, it's just, you're having to go into people's house and let them get to know us and that is so hard, you know. But we did and <clears throat> Andy and I love hospitality. And like, if you look in the Greek, that hospitality really means, um, you know, pers- a pursuit of the love of strangers. And like, Jean and Andrew opened their house to us. They did not know us from that and we didn't really know them. But that was, you know, that really helped us to get to know people. And then just one of the other things I want to talk about, you know, but we had to, yeah, we had to decide, we had to decide to go to that, and that was hard, and we went every other week, and Aaron was a baby, and, you know, it, was, it wasn't it was the easiest um, time to get there, but we still went, um, and it really helped us to build up trust with people again, and then a while after that, I suppose I'd realised how important prayer ministry was at church, and I really wanted to be able to pray for other people. And I was thinking about this prayer ministry course that I'd seen. And so I'd sort of got to know Cathy a wee bit and I said to her one day, oh, I've seen this prayer ministry course. And she goes, oh, I've seen that as well. And then I just said, will you come with me? And I just blurted it out. And she's like, yes, all right, let's do that. And then that community then that Kathy and I had together was so important so we're driving to Belfast every other week for over the course of about four months and we had that time to talk and we didn't really know each other but we got to know each other you know but I had to de- you know we had to decide to do that together that journey um, and we were both on of course our own journeys um, as it was at the time but like I could have just decided not to do that I could have decided not to ask her I could have gone on my own and like I would have missed that You know, and God has always given us lots of opportunities to connect with people. And I don't mean connect on Facebook. I mean literally connect and actually talk with each other, spend time with each other. You know, and it's just so important. Church is church and it's great, but what happens from Monday to Saturday is so important. You know, we can do things together. And when people get together, they get ideas. They get ideas about life. You know, God really uses that. God speaks to people. Um, there's a lot of wonderful things that happen in community. Um, and so I just really want to encourage you today. Maybe you've, been sit- maybe you've had that day of sitting in the back, no one knows me, but maybe that's not gone on for two weeks or two months. Maybe that's been a two years for you. I don't know you all, so I don't know that. But, you know, it's about, as Paul says, you know, taking a risk. You've got to put yourself out there. You have to decide. Community, you have to choose it for you. You have to choose it for your family. And I hope that I've tried to explain today that it really is worth the choosing
0: well done both of you being so brave and sharing your stories well done Uh, coming into land our life groups is one way that we get to do life with each other they start, some have started the rest of them are starting uh, this week and uh, there's a number of them there hopefully it's been emailed to you find it through Facebook find it through our website I'm encouraging you. I'm not making you. I'm encouraging you. Have a look at the list. Pray, choose one, sign up, and go. Please don't sign up if you don't intend to go. Sign up if you intend to go. And when you've signed up, go. If you've had a busy day and you're just feeling a wee bit tired, Go. Don't be sending the text message to the leaders 30 minutes before it starts. I've had a busy day. I'm feeling great. I'm not going. That's the most annoying text message (laughs) as a leader to receive. Just being honest. Getting it out there. There are times, obviously, I'm just now covering all the bases, when life is... Extreme, and you can't make it, and that's okay. There's grace. But what the point is, commit to go, go, okay? Now, at the same time, you're looking at that list going, nah, but you know that's okay. But choose community. Make community yourself. It doesn't all just happen, you know, on a Thursday night or a Wednesday night or a whatever, okay? It happens during the week. It happens when you meet someone for coffee. It happens when you have someone else around for dinner. And you're choosing. You're the risk taker by inviting. You're the risk taker by saying, yeah, I'll come. Okay, let's do this. Let's do this uh, together. Watch the TV less. Put the tablets in the drawer. Make appointments with each other if you have to do that. Be vulnerable. Allow yourselves to be seen. Show off your map to the right people, to the right people who you trust and you think you can trust. Choose to do life together. And the last thing is this, is don't wait to be asked. You, You be the one. You be the one at coffee time to go across. You be the one. Okay, And with that is, uh, I'm just going to say this as well, we, as we journey life as a church, as the church continues to grow, different kind of things happen. And one of the things that happens when we're at our size, this is what the books tell me, Okay, and this is what I've seen, is what tends to happen is those that know each other stay with each other because it's safe. I like. Stephen Hillis will talk to people he likes. Sorry to pick on you, mate. (laughs) But he'll talk to people that he knows as well and that he feels safe with. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's that's absolutely normal human behaviour. Goodness, we do that in the staff room. We do that coffee break. We We do that, right? But as well as doing that, let's keep our eyes open to our VIPs. Our VIPs are our guests. And if you're our guest here this morning, you're our VIP. That we would choose to look up and go, I don't know you, hello. And here's a question, here's something, because it happened last week, I laughed, I laughed, it was a good one. Someone asked someone, oh, have you been coming here long? And they're like, no, I've been coming for ages Don't ask that question. Just simply say, um, "I'm such and such. I don't know that we've met before." Now you need to be careful how you say that too, because it could be a bit of a chat-up line. (laughs) All right? I don't believe we've met. (laughs) I'm Paul. Okay. So, just a bit of caution on that one. We've definitely landed. We've crashed, don't we? Oh dear. There we go. Let's do it. Let's do it together. Let's stand together, folks, will we?